Hi everybody, I'm Storm Team 2 Chief Meteorologist Rob Fowler. It's another edition of our community podcast, Get to Know. And this is a chance for us to get to know people in the community doing wonderful things with great stories. And we have a person who's doing wonderful things with a great story today. And this is Sunday Smith Herring from the American Cancer Society. And Sunday, first and foremost, welcome to our podcast. Aww, thank you so much. It's great to be here, Rob. You know, I always love coming in here. It's like I'm a second home, love Channel 2, love you. So happy to be here. Well, you're your second family. So, <laughs> yeah. But let's talk about your story because you work for the American Cancer Society, but something happened to you recently. And we've got the big Making Strides Against Breast Cancer Walk coming up on the 31st of this month. So nine days from now. Yeah. But tell us what you found out recently that in in some weird way has this ironic twist to it. Right, yeah, so, um, you know, I've worked with the American Cancer Society, this will be my 18th year in December, and uh, one of the things that brought me to the American Cancer Society was that I had had cancer in my own family. Um, My grandmother had breast cancer, my grandfather had prostate cancer. Um, Six years ago, my mother was diagnosed with breast cancer, and, um, and then last April, I received the diagnosis, actually on April Fool's Day. And that, that was no joke, I no know. No joke, no joke, that I had uh, breast cancer myself, um, ductal carcinoma in situ. Um, so I had, um, you know, like so many women, I had such a crazy year last year. I had postponed my mammogram. Both of my grandmother and my mother had breast cancer in their 60s. And so I thought, well, I'm in my 40s. I'm 40, you know, I'm 45. Um, I can punt this ball a little bit, but thank God I went back and and they were able to catch it. I'm here today because of a mammogram. And you already knew so much information about breast cancer and cancer in general, but when you hear those words yourself, having gone through and counseled so many people, what? What goes through your mind? I mean, how did you feel at that very moment on April Fool's Day? Yeah, on April Fool's Day. Um, well, it was at the end of a pretty long uh, journey of, of biopsies, and so the waiting had been excruciating. And um, a lot of the medical systems right now are inundated. A lot of people are trying to get back in for that routine care, so it was a pretty slow process. So in some regards, I was just happy to have the doctor on the phone and know that, you know, the wait was over. But then when you do hear the words, you know, that you have cancer, it, you know, I, it definitely, the world tilted for a minute. And um, I remember I was upstairs and my husband was downstairs and he could hear that I, my tone changed. And uh, I just sort of, I just sat on the bed and just t- gave myself a minute to process it. And in that moment, you know, it sounded a lot like what my mom had had, which was a lumpectomy, um, followed by radiation and tamoxifen. Um, and uh, so I was just trying to really, you know, I was thinking a lot about her. I was thinking a lot about the other women I know who've gone through it. And, um, but it's a really scary time. I mean, you just don't know what you don't know. And, um, and that was the one thing the doctor said, you know, right now, and he, he kind of spoke in metaphors, which was helpful to me, even though I know the medical jargon to some degree, but he said, we're basically delivering a pizza at your door. Um, we think it's a pepperoni pizza. We stuck, and it smelled like pepperoni <laughs> pizza. We stuck a needle in it, 
and we pulled it out and there are signs that it's a pepperoni pizza <laughs> but we won't know until we do more so you know of course at that point I had to have an MRI um, and genetic testing and then another MRI and that you know led me down the ultimate path of um, I, I wound up getting a bilateral mastectomy um, the area of DCIS was so large that um, the MRI showed that it was just too too much to be done in a lumpectomy and at that point they did think it was most likely invasive and so needed to take some lymph nodes and I um, I had another spot on my left breast at that point and had to go through a very painful needle biopsy on the MRI which um, again it was another three to four weeks and so I mean, the pizza was taking a long time to get delivered, you know? And I, uh, I, I made the decision, though, once that came back, even though the left side was clear, I made the choice to go ahead and do a bilateral um, because of my mother's history of her having it in her 60s. I was just concerned about that breast tissue right. ultimately developing. And, and I have dense breasts, so it was, or I had dense breasts. And um, they, uh, so I, I just thought... We're, we got to do this. Let's just do it. And um, a lot of doctors are kind of concerned about that decision. And and you know, it's it's a very personal decision right. to weigh. But um, but I I I feel positive about my decision and where I am. Um, it was uh, definitely a challenging, been a very challenging six months of yeah, April, May, June, July, August, September. Seven months. It's been a while. And you mentioned Sunday something that, uh, of course, my family went through too with Cara. Um, it's a family. It's it's an individual, but yet the whole family is involved in this because mm -hmm. all of a sudden your life is turned upside down. And as you said, it was tilted. Yes, for sure. And um, it was the kids' spring break. The day April first was supposed to be the day we were leaving. We had planned a trip to New York to uh, Philadelphia. And, um, and I just couldn't even pack. I, I just knew I was going to forget things. I couldn't put my thoughts together cohesively. And so, um, so I just took that day and we left the next day instead. Um, and the first thing I did was drive up. Actually, I, we went up and saw my mom because family is so important during that time. And, and knowing that you have people who understand you, who are, um, you know, in your corner, really, uh, but yeah, the whole family and, and I really try, you know, I have younger kids. I have right. a 15 year old and a 10 year old and I, I didn't want them to miss out on anything, but I also, it became so, so poignantly clear that if I didn't take care of myself, I may not be here for them. And, right. and, uh, so it's, yeah, you're juggling a lot of needs. It's, it's a challenging time. I have a, an amazing husband. I'm so blessed. Hi, Dave, if you're listening. <laughs> Hopefully he'll listen to this. <laughs> and and uh, he, he really was there for me. I, I will forever be grateful to him. And I know you know, you, you know that role uh, all too well. And, and actually calling Cara was one of the first things I remember I the night too. you called Cara and just said, you know, here's, here's what happened and any advice. And, you know, every story is different. Every situation is different. But I think... Uh, what the what you guys have gone through together um, is so very important that that 
that support that you get from family and from friends and those especially who have walked in your shoes. Yeah, well, it's kind of like the whole world is spiraling, but then when you start talking to a survivor, it slows down because they know that intimately. And um, yes, she was so calming and patient with me and, um, you know, and I know how beautiful your relationship is and I wanted to make sure my marriage came right was you know wanted I wanted it to come first too and along with my kids with so many things but you know I wanted to get those words of advice from someone who I feel like really has has moved through it with grace and poise and it, it's still hard but you know you can you can make the best of it Absolutely. So we've got a big event coming up on the 31st, and this is a way that we honor those who are going through it now, who have been through it, and unfortunately those who did not make it through. Right. Tell us about making strides, because we, we want everybody to come out to Riverfront Park to, and wear pink and yes, just support. Yes, yes, and there's stuff popping up all over. Um, you know, all year long we've been reaching out to different people in the community who already have a passion for this cause. And this month is the month to really go, go for it and um, make the biggest bang for the awareness buck and raising funds to get the breakthroughs that we need so that my daughter doesn't have to hear you have cancer so that um, eventually we can eradicate this thing and blow it out of the water. Um, you know, the American Cancer Society is the number one funder for research other than uh, the federal government. And we're so proud of that. I mean, we have some huge research grants happening right here in South Carolina. And, um, and then this year, especially, we want everybody to hear those words, Come, get your screenings. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of people are behind like I was. But the event is going to be a lot of fun. It always is. Yeah, it's just a pink explosion at Riverfront Park on October 31st. Um, we're gonna have it start at 1230, you know, all the fun, the Zumba, the, the different teams coming, really just a big pink party. And then the actual walk will be at 230. So, um, and we're gonna have that staggered. We're gonna be social distanced. Um, we want this to be done as safely as possible. But um, we have about 35 teams registered so far, but we would love more teams. So if anyone wants to register, even as a participant or as a team, it would be great. It's a free event. There's no charge to come. Um, it's just a blast. And you're going to be out there again? I'll be later. out there. Carol will be out there. Yes. We'll be out there walking, wearing yes. pink. And, and it's just one of my favorite events. And even before Carl was diagnosed, you know, this has always been something that I thought uh, needed attention and should have attention. Uh, and little did you know, like you, that one day you would be part of this in, in more of an intimate way. Yeah, it's, it's crazy how, the, how life and the world work, really. Um, I mean, I was so grateful that I had the Making Strides community when I was diagnosed because I thought about all the other women who maybe they don't have someone to call or they, they don't have um, survivors that they can use as a mentor through it. And um, the American Cancer Society does have, we have a 1-800 number. I actually called that at 2 a.m. in the morning too. I called everybody. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I didn't call everybody, but I was, I was particular about who I called, but I did call our 1-800 number and that was really helpful to me. They validated some of my decisions that I was making and, 
um, you know, there, there, it, there, there are resources out there. And we know one in eight women will be diagnosed with this disease. Isn't that crazy? It is crazy. And it just took on, um, it went ahead of lung cancer as the number one cancer for that women are diagnosed with. So um, we're seeing more survivors. The survivorship rate is going up, but we're seeing more breast cancer diagnoses. So that's troubling. And we've got to get to the root of that. So before all of this, this is called get to know. So let's get to know you. Where, where did you grow up? And um, obviously this is, we've moved through life, but where did you grow up and, and how did we get to this point? Oh gosh. Well, I grew up in South Carolina. I'm a South Carolina girl. Um, my father was a, he's still even retired, continues to do it, but he, he was a Methodist minister. And uh, my mom was a home health nurse we moved around because at that time Methodist churches would move ministers every three to six years and so I lived all over the state um, kind of Jefferson little uh, kind of near Charlotte Lancaster Orangeburg uh, for a skinny minute before I, I got um, married um, let's see Abbeville I, I call home kind of New Ellington in Aiken County okay so we have 46 counties, so it sounds like you've made, <laughs> made a trek through many of them. Yeah, I, I know intimately those rural areas for sure. And, um, and that's been a passion of mine too with this um, because I know those rural areas have a lack of access to care. And so that's another reason I really got drawn into the American Cancer Society's work. I really wanted to ensure that, you know, people there have the same chance at a good outcome as people who live in more urban settings but and, yeah. and I know you guys do great work but uh, I'm sure and you've been asked this many times and talked about it but the last couple of years have been very challenging for for charities and nonprofits and organizations trying to continue to raise funds knowing it's it's been more difficult to do that yeah it's been oh gosh I mean you know these events are our bread and butter and um, so to have that yanked out from under us was really tough we had to rethink everything and last year we did the car parade yeah. we which did. was really a lot of fun <laughs> I think going into that we we weren't sure what to expect but we really had a good time yeah I mean as long as you have the right people around you anything can be fun right you realize that after you go through something like we've been through but it was um yeah, and we did, uh, instead of our Shuck Cancer event that we do to support the Hope Lodge, last year we did online cooking classes with amazing chefs. So, you know, we had to rethink things, but it, it all it all worked out. But we definitely have some ground to make up. And we actually have, right now, I was going to see if I could do a, we have a $50,000 challenge gift for the Hope Lodge that we're currently soliciting donations to match so okay. um, if anybody out there wants to double their donation dollars right now um, and they know about the Hope Lodge which is our um, free home away from home for cancer patients right downtown in Charleston um, at the corner of Calhoun and Ashley um, this is a, a unique opportunity that we don't always get we, we had a donor who really saw that need that you're talking about to, to make up well, tell us about, um, I know you've had quite the journey, but if, is there anything in the last six or seven months that you could pass on to somebody else? Maybe someone who hasn't gone through this, who may eventually go through this. We, we hope that, like you said, your daughter never has to hear those words. But unfortunately, this time, people are hearing those words. Uh, you said you made a lot of calls. You talked to a lot of people. Any advice that you can give someone who's maybe going through this now or 
unfortunately may have to deal with this in the future. Mm. Well, there are two, two things that really got me through it, which you have to dig pretty deep, but it's patience and persistence. Those were the two peas in the pod that got me through it. And um, you have to just keep pushing to advocate for yourself okay. right now. And then um, and be patient because, you know, waiting on the tests and waiting, you know, to stay calm and, um, and to do those, I think it is about the outreach. It, I think it's different for every person, but I do think there is something very healing about fellow feeling about reaching out to those who have been through it, about reaching out to places like the American Cancer Society that, that have such a, a strong understanding of this, um, this disease and you know, well-trained people who know how to talk about it. Um, because a lot of, you can get caught up in all the, the jargon, but you need some of those people to kind of boil it down and so that you, you can understand it better and, and see your next step forward because you just have to keep moving forward. And I think the, the, un, the not knowing can drag you into a kind of a dark hole. And that's, there were definitely a few moments where I felt like I was in a very dark hole and um, having different people and organizations sort of pull me out of that hole were, that was essential to my well-being and, and making it through it. Well, Sunday, it's been our pleasure talking to you. Thank you for telling your story because I think that makes a huge difference because I think people need to know that uh, the proverbial, there is light at the end of the tunnel. It may seem dark, like you said, but there, the light is there. The support is there. You guys are always there to answer the phone and to be there to answer questions. Mm -hmm. So uh, you're not going through this alone. The other thing I'd like to say, if you don't mind, Absolutely. Is, um, is that finding the right medical partner is essential. And making sure that you have a surgeon or an oncologist who you really connect with. Um, and if that takes a second opinion, a third opinion to get that connection, um, I would encourage people to do that because it can just make all the difference in the world. And I think for those who haven't gone through this, uh, I know that uh, the team, we had a team like you're talking about oh between gosh. the surgeon and the oncologist and the radiation oncologist and, and your general practitioners who are there with you along the way. That team makes all the difference oh, in the world. And I, I remember going through that with Cara and we would, you know, there were a few times where we were hearing things where we're like, wait, is that do we need to get a second opinion or is this something that we need to kind of roll with? So I, I agree a hundred percent. That is so important. Yeah. Yeah. It's essential ingredient. Well, Sandy, thank you very much for being our guest and telling your story. And I know it will help others and hopefully, hopefully David's listening. Yeah. I know. I hope he is. And um, yeah, no, thank you. It's, you know, it's, it's not the club you ever want to be a part of. But once you're in it, you realize there are an awful lot of cool and supportive people there. You included, Cara, just um, anybody out there who's who has to hear those words, just know that, that there's a big community here to support you. 
All right, we hope to see everybody out on Sunday, October 31st. Come and register at 1230. We'll start walking at 230 at Riverrun Park, making strides against breast cancer. We're going to beat this Sunday. I know I we know. are. And, and there's a lot of real men wear pink ambassadors. That's right. There men morning. can wear pink, too. <laughs> yes, men can definitely wear pink. Dogs can wear pink. If you got your dog, bring your dog out. And um, we have a, we're actually doing a, with the Charleston Battery on the 20th, a pink out game. Okay. Um, there's a lot of police officers involved with pink cruisers. You're going to see those around. We're raffle, raffling a, a golf cart. I mean, there's just, it goes on and on. There's also a pink paddle in Merle's Inlet. I mean. <laughs> I didn't know that, but you know. <laughs> we are having a lot of fun with the pink, so. Well, pink looks good on you, and I think it looks good on everybody, and we want everybody to come out and support. So, Sunday Herring has been our guest from the American Cancer Society telling her story as a breast cancer survivor, and I know um, doing great things, and we'll continue to do great things at the Cancer Society. Sunday, thank you. Well, thank you. It's my pleasure. Thank you for what you do. All right. Well, that's our Get to Know podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. We'll see you again next week, and until then, may all your days be sunny.